if you want to know the title of my message according to what I have, it's Emerge 6-7-17. Now, it's really about hardship and turning that into victory. I appreciate you guys letting me talk at you today. Um, and Jeremy, obviously, respected me enough to let me do that as well. Oh, you guys are staring at me. So... I've had the blessing, like a lot of you, to grow up in church. Basically, from the time I can remember, I was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. And that's a blessing. But that doesn't mean that we don't question our faith just because we've, that's all we've ever known. Um, June 7th, 2003, somewhere between my 8th grade, or 7th and 8th grade year. Um, super excited, going with some friends to go watch some Finding Nemo in the theater. Dates me a little bit. <laughs> Real excited. Uh, fantastic cinematic adventure, Finding Nemo. Fantastic. Like, you have no idea how good Finding Nemo is, because you watched Finding Dory first. Not cool. I'm wrong? That's a new feeling. So, get done with Finding Nemo. Friends dropped me off at my house. It's pretty amped up, obviously, you know, Finding Nemo. Pretty cool. It's exciting. Um, my brother just sitting there, like, completely emotionless on the couch. I'll never forget it. Dad on the computer, which wasn't abnormal. They both look up and said, Mom needs to talk to you. I was like, uh, what did I do? This is not good. In her room. Oh, in private. She's going to beat me. Something's going to happen. And I walk in. And she's crying. And then I'm thinking, okay, grandpa, grandma. Saw them earlier today. They seem pretty good health. No problems. Um... Next thing she said changed the path of my life, realistically. Uh, she said, Frankie has passed away. She gave me a hug, continued crying, and I stood there in emotionless shock like an idiot, just not knowing what to do with myself. So we all have a best friend, right? Frankie was my best friend. We did literally everything together, kind of like you were talking about the girl that stabbed you in the back in kindergarten. Um, but we were a little older. Uh, I listened. Aren't you excited? Huh? Eighth grade? Oh, I'm sorry. She stabbed you in the back, though, for sure. Okay. So... And then my brother started dating his sister, so then we were, like, built-in chaperones, like, everywhere my brother went, I just tagged along, like, all right, cool, don't make out, I'm watching you, watching you. So that was really exciting, right? And then this happened. He had passed of an asthma attack um, at the age of 13, snapped back into that moment. My mom was still giving me a hug. I stood there knowing to cry. That's what I was supposed to do, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. I didn't know what to do with myself. The only thing I remember of that night was riding to his grandparents' house, 
that's where it happened. And about maybe 20 minutes into the ride of a 40-minute ride, it finally hit me. I was laying in the back of a 1995 Chevy Astro van. No seatbelt, no seat. We're not talking like laying in a seat. In the back on the floor, weeping like a baby. Because I lost my friend. Next few days, pretty hazy fog. You know, funeral for a 13-year-old is not something I recommend, to be honest. Um, And I got mad. Not at anybody around me because they couldn't control anything. I got mad at God. And that's the reality. I was mad, screaming at him. Like, literally, at one point, I walked into the woods trying to get some space from everyone else and screamed at the top of my lungs, why would you do this to me? That was the only real friend I had. Why would you take him away? Right? You think I'm loud now? I was real loud when I was yelling at God. Real loud. If not yet, you will go through a hardship that will make you question God. It's going to happen. Your faith will be questioned. Your faith will be challenged, whether it's a, a friend passing, in my case, or depression, some other death in the family, something like that. It's going to happen. Two verses that came to mind both then, praise God, I was raised in church because I don't know if I would have got through it. Both then and now, anytime anything bad happens, Romans eight twenty eight should be on the, there we go. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I had some peace in that. You know, everything was going to be okay. It was happening for a reason. But I was still a 13-year-old with no friends. And then, so a little bit of background on Romans 8. Romans 7 is pretty dark. It's all about the struggles you're going to have as a Christian. Everything that's going to happen to you, all the attacks you're going to have. Romans 8 is full of light. It answers all that darkness with the light of Christ and all the things that we can get through through Jesus. So if you're having a hard time right now, I recommend Romans 8. Kapishki? Donkey knots, anything? Respond. Oh, I saw a smile. Thumbs up. Hoorah. You're you're copying now. It's not that's not cool. And then uh, Isaiah fifty five, eight through nine. Um, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's a hard lesson to learn. You know, at 13, like a lot of people, I thought I knew everything. You know, you're probably like that, or at least your parents tell you you're like that, that you know everything. I'll tell you another little secret. Your parents get a lot smarter once you turn like 21, 22. It's pretty amazing, like genius overnight. So we'll never understand fully why God does what he does. Although our information is finite, we can at times in hindsight see the plan. For me, in this instance, it's about the opportunities I've had to speak with others who have gone through a terrible loss, either at a young age or at roughly my age. Um, A lot of people have been able to be in an opportunity where they're going through something and I can talk them through that, give them the love of Christ, and then present the gospel to them 
a lot of times being rejected, but at least being able to present it. So think about your struggles. Depression, death, divorce. Maybe you're the only member of your family that believes in Jesus. That's a, that's a real struggle. Um, your victory must be shared. These are all things that will set you up to have amazing conversations, either now or down the road, to be able to share the light of Christ with others. Your struggle happens for a reason. Even though you have common experiences, you can be completely rejected. Like, get away from me. I don't like you anymore. Don't talk to me about Jesus. And that can be discouraging. But we have to remember, even Jesus was rejected. Um, story of Jesus and the rich young ruler, Matthew nineteen sixteen through 30. I'm going to give you a synopsis because that's a lot of verses. Um, young man approaches Jesus, interested in hearing about how he to get to heaven. Uh, so you would think, you know, you're talking to the Son of God. That's pretty much the no sure thing to, to give your heart to Jesus, right? No, uh, not the case. Jesus led him through the law, which shows us our sin, need for a Savior, told him the cost of discipleship, and the young man went away sorrowful, but didn't answer the call. He talked to Jesus and decided, nah, not for me. Are you kidding me? Still nothing? Man, you guys are rough tonight. So why try if you're going to get rejected? Success in evangelism is not measured in the outcome, but in your obedience to the command of Christ. That's the next slide. It's not about the number of people you directly lead to Christ. It's about obedience. It's about going out and talking to as many people as you can about Jesus, even though it's socially awkward at times. You know, when you present the gospel to a guy on a bus, it can be a little socially awkward. And then the three-hour trip after that gets a little more awkward, but it's okay. And then when we are rejected, we are promised to have heavenly rewards. Matthew... I'll let that stay up there since you guys are writing. Did you not finish the last slide? Can you flip back? Since you're taking notes, I appreciate that. Kind of humbling, actually. I'll take a drink. Cool. Now we'll flip to the next one. So when we're rejected, we are promisely heaven, promised heavenly rewards. What are you giggling about? So in, in Matthew chapter 5, it says... God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and they assault all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. 
Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Right there in the gospel, it says, if people make fun of you for telling them about Jesus, you get a reward in heaven. Good with that. Take a little hazing for heavenly reward. Nothing worse than grace berating me. So there are three potential outcomes when witnessing to others and all equal a win. The first one, if the person comes to Christ, that's an obvious win. Can we agree on that? Thank you. If they seem interested but don't come to Christ, you've planted seeds that God can grow in the future, which is another win. Do you agree with that? Now, hey, we're getting some response. Look at that. It's fantastic. And then the last one is if they reject you, reject you, you get heavenly rewards, which is obviously a win. So no matter what, you're getting rewards. You're either getting somebody for Christ, a heavenly reward, or you're planting a seed. Not only is being rejected not bad, we receive heavenly rewards for it. So when you share your faith, you also gain a deeper understanding of Christ. When we testify to others about how God saved us from sin, wrath, fire, brimstone, and we're a new creation in Christ, and how he's filled us with joy and peace. If you were here Sunday, I talked a lot about peace in trialed times. Um, by the Holy Spirit, we are reminded that God's reminded of God's awesome work in our lives. This deepens our love and understanding for Christ. So when you talk about Jesus to others, builds you up too. That's always cool. Thanks, Senor. In Philemon six, Paul says to Philemon. I pray that the faith you share will make you understand every blessing we have in Christ. So obviously, kicking right back into that. At the end of the day, our job is to plant seeds or water the soil. God takes care of the growth. You will never be able to force somebody to come to Christ. And if you do, it's not real. hate to break it to you. If you yell at them until they say, okay, okay, just shut up, it's not real. Just like a gardener cannot force seeds to spring corn out of the earth merely by saying, I planted this seed and it's going to grow. Come on, corn. doesn't work like that. can't force people to respond to the message of Christ by their will. God is the only one who gives life both physically and spiritually. Be the gardener. Plant, water, or harvest. Open the conversation. Be that first encounter they have with somebody talking about Jesus. Water the seed by talking them about more about Jesus, right? Or close the deal. Be a salesman. 
one of the most challenging things I've seen about sharing the gospel is actually from an atheist. Um, Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller, hardcore atheist. And I'm going to show you this video, and you may want to go look up more of his stuff. I wouldn't recommend it. Most of it's pretty vulgar, like really bad. He's an atheist. so He talks about proselytizing in this video, which means to convert or attempt to convert someone from one religion to another. And then I'll let you, I'll let you watch the clip. How much do you have to hate somebody to be guaranteed eternal life and not share that with them? Every time you walk, walk past somebody because it's socially awkward to bring up Jesus and you don't talk to them about Christ, you're telling them that you hate them enough to let them go to hell. That's the reality. There are people in this world that you don't get along with. There are Christians in this world you may not get along with, but that doesn't mean they're not worth the love of Jesus. There are friends that you have that you don't always get along with, but you love them at their heart. And there are people in your school that you may say you hate with a passion, but I guarantee you wouldn't kill them if you had the chance. That's what you're sentencing them to every time you walk past them and don't talk about Jesus. That's the reality. The whole idea is that you can use your hardship not to only live in victory, but to be able to share that victory with others. Everybody's had a hardship. Grace talked about her depression last week. I'm sure in this day and age, there's enough people that have battled that, that that opens quite a bit of doors. But she's gotten through it because of Jesus. You know, and, and I don't know everybody's story. And I can share mine with everybody I can. But there are people that you'll see that I will never see. You're going to walk right past them and either talk to them about God or not. But you have the opportunity. If the leaders would like to come up. Be challenged in your faith. Don't accept trusting God laying down. He doesn't expect you to trust him only blindly. He wants that personal encounter with you so that you can share that victory with others. If for some reason, if everyone wants to close their eyes real quick, if for some reason while I was talking, you're you're saying to yourself, I've never accepted that. And you would like to tonight, you can raise your hand. I'll give you a few moments to go over it in your mind. Okay. So, that being said, all of you are either saved or not ready at this time. I'd like for everyone to come up. And, and find a place to pray, whether it be with a leader or a friend. Um, and really pray about how you can share through your struggle. What hardship has God put in your life that you can open those doors that other people can't? Pray for God to heal your heart, that the people that you may not like, that you can talk to them about Jesus with a, with a real and open conversation.
as the last couple finish up, I'm really going to challenge you this week to to find those people that you cross paths with, with that nobody else does and really share your struggle or, or your story or even the victory you have in Christ if you've led a perfect life, which would be a testimony in itself. Um, you're free to be dismissed. <laughs>